Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 22 with entrepreneur and environmentalist, Nora Eddy. This episode was brought to you by Toad & Co. Formerly called Horny Toad out of Central California, this great outdoor clothing company makes 90% of their products using eco-friendly materials, whether it's organic, plant-based, or recycled fabrics. They also have a program called Design for Good, which totally kicks ass. They take a portion of every single item they sell and put it towards exposing people with disabilities to life-changing trips in the outdoors. Their mission also aligns perfectly with having a wild idea worth living. They're all about inspiring people to live their fullest lives, and they're rabid supporters of following your passions and refusing to settle. They also have a great tagline, which is keep good company, exactly why I started Wild Ideas Worth Living. You can check out all of their amazing products, their mission, and the ambassadors of all abilities they work with at toadandco.com. Nora Eddy is the co-founder of Salty Girl, a sustainable seafood company with an innovative way of doing business. She grew up in a small New England fishing village and has worked on and around fisheries all over the world. She's also an avid surfer and an all-around waterwoman. Nora and I spoke just before she gave her first TED Talk. We talked about sustainability, about becoming an entrepreneur, about being a young businesswoman, especially in a male-dominated field, and about following your passion. All right. So Nora, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. So excited to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today. Sure. Thanks for having me. So I want to just get right into it. First of all, you're young, which I think is so cool. How did you how did you just come up with this wild idea of starting a sustainable seafood company? And can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So um I came up with the idea to start Salty Girl, which is our seafood company with my co-founder when we were both actually students, when we were getting our master's degree at the Bren School at UCSB um, in Santa Barbara. And we were studying um, actually the Galapagos, fisheries of the Galapagos, um, specifically lobster, and kind of writing our thesis. But at the same time, we were exploring the intersection between entrepreneurship and science and how an entrepreneurial lens can really be applied to start thinking about solutions to some of the world's greatest environmental problems. And I have this kind of extensive background um, studying the oceans. And so I knew that, you know, for me, it just made sense to kind of apply what I was learning in entrepreneurship to what I've been studying my entire life, the ocean, and more specifically fisheries. So interesting. But where are you from originally? And and did you kind of grow up around fishing boats? Because it's still sort of a random career path, I think. A lot of people pursue <laughs> marine biology, and then they go into like, research. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. And that's actually what I thought, you know, that's kind of the path that I always thought, because when you're studying marine biology, um, that is kind of the, they give you kind of a, a single track, right, when you're kind of coming up through academia. But yeah, I grew up in a little uh, New England fishing and farming town. 
um, super tiny town and was fortunate enough. My, my family lived on the water and we had family friends who's literally tied up their lobster boats in front of our house. And, oh, that sounds so um, cool. Is this Maine yeah. or where? In, it's Rhode Island. Oh, Rhode Island. Oh, Little, that sounds so cool up there. Yeah. Beautiful. So you grew up around fishing boats. Yeah, I grew up around the industry, grew up around kind of the idyllic um, picture of what, you know, New England, New England seafood culture and New England fishing looks like. So small family, family owned and operated fishing vessels. Um, but at the same time, we were only 30, 40 minute ride from New Bedford, which is one of the largest fishing ports in the nation. So um, I think culturally, New Englanders have this like very strong tie historically and in the present to, um, you know, to those those fishing roots and that that kind of deep uh, maritime culture and community. So th- this is a culture that I, I'm sort of familiar with, but really the East Coast is a little bit of uncharted territory for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious. You're also a surfer and a sailor. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, mostly most most of my exploits on the water are are surfing if I if I can get there when I'm not working. <laughs> so, well, how did so two questions. One, how did your relationship and pa- like or relationship and passion for the ocean help inform your career path and kind of how did you come up with this sustainable seafood idea? And and how is it so different than, you know, all the other fish companies out there? So, I think you know, kind of the, the one thing that I knew from the time I was very, very little was that whatever I did when I grew up, I was going to be working on or around the ocean. And, um, you know, I went off and I got my degree in marine biology and I, I literally everything that I did internships and jobs and, um, you know, extracurriculars. So all of the things that I did in my spare time, um, were all focused around the ocean you know, so, so my whole world is really kind of directed and, um, you know, focused on spending time on the water, both in, in just kind of a recreational capacity, but also because I'm so fascinated about it from a, a science perspective, it's such an unknown, uncharted thing still to this day. Um, and I think that that's, it's that kind of deep seated love of the ocean that for me, um, I was able to really draw on all of my experiences when we were launching Salty Girl to create this business model that we developed specifically to have a positive impact on the oceans, which is unique to almost any seafood company out there. Our whole founding mission was really to put this thought experiment at this question of how can you use a business to actually improve the health of the oceans, um, you know, to kind of set that emotion through what is now Salty Girl. So did, how did this idea come to be? Was it just like one day you and your friend were talking in your dorm room or, <laughs> or was it, it deeper than that? Was it on a run? Was it in a surf? Was it while fishing? Was it at the store at Whole Foods? And you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm so sick of this fish. I want That's something a- else. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it's uh, it's some combination of, of a lot of events that came together. My co-founder and I, we knew right away that they, that we were both passionate about the ocean and finding solutions to the problems facing our global oceans. Um, we spent a lot of time um, kind of both in the classroom thinking about it, taking these entrepreneurship um, courses, and then 
we really had kind of our big aha moment when we were both in Galapagos and we were standing talking to the guy who was our kind of liaison running one of the programs down there. And he was saying, you know, what we really need here in so many developing world fisheries are businesses who can help us, um, you know, work with the communities and actually provide the incentive for them to change their behavior towards a more sustainable practice. Um, and, and it was kind of the, that aha moment that led to our desire to really like, okay, let's kick this thing in gear. You know, we'd been, we'd been really thinking about it and we were getting to the end of our master's degree, our master's program. And honestly, for me, the idea of filling out job applications just sounded so horrible (laughs) that we thought, you know, let's launch a company. Wow. So, so can you tell people what Salty Girl is and like how it's different from the seasonings to just tracking, et cetera? I don't want to give it all away. Yeah, sure. So, um, Salty Girl is a mission-based seafood company, and our whole focus is driving positive change in our global oceans through an innovative approach and product line. So unlike most seafood companies that you know are, are massive, commodity-based, um, our whole approach is to have this lifestyle brand that's focused on connecting consumers with the ocean through seafood. Um, and given our experience in the industry, and, you know, kind of my history growing up in New England and then later working in Alaska, just recognizing that traceability, so the, the ability to know where your fish comes from, is a great way not only to make sure that your fish is coming from a sustainable source, but it's a great way to acknowledge the men and women and communities who are doing great work on the waterfront. So does that mean, sorry, when I buy a piece of fish from you, I can, it shows me where it's from? Yes, exactly. So all of our products are kind of designed with the modern consumer in mind. So we know that seafood can be kind of a daunting thing for people. So we've done kind of two things. We've, like you mentioned, we've made sure that the story of your fish is on every package. So you can literally pick up a package of our, our products and you can see exactly where and how your fish was caught. And then you can go online and actually trace that fish back to the fishermen or the fishing family and the vessel and where it was caught and all of that kind of information. Um, that's amazing. I'm only laughing because I'm thinking of that episode of Portlandia when they order chicken (laughs) Chicken. and then they like go to the farm and find the chicken and they're like, Oh, okay. That's where our chicken's from. Okay. I'll have the chicken. So yeah. funny. So totally. we can do that with our fish. So yes, Nemo, you on your dinner plate, you can find, that's so great. Okay. Is it yeah. like a QR code or? It's, um, it's just a, it's, it's just a numerical code. Wow. We actually found that people don't often scan QR codes. So those are oh, one of the, good to speaking know. of hidden lessons of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> hidden lesson. Okay. So it's a number code. You can go online, you can find out like meet the fishermen. That's amazing. And then what's the second thing? Yeah. The second thing is that our products are designed to make seafood kind of a no brainer. So they all come either pre-seasoned with these perfectly delicious seasonings or marinades. And, um, we actually have a new product that's a a kid's product out, um, because we learned that kids love salmon, um, and moms are constantly trying to get more salmon and more fish into kids' bodies. So we've developed these like value added products that are, 
make, you know, make seafood super simple, still super healthy, non-GMO and gluten-free and no sugar and low sodium and all of those great things. Um, but it's literally like toss them in the oven in 10 minutes and they're done. Wow. That's, yeah, it's so funny. So many of my parents or my friends that are parents are, are cooking salmon for their kids. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. So, I mean, did you always see yourself as an entrepreneur? <sighs> did I always see myself as an entrepreneur? Um, I think that I always have known that I have an entrepreneurial spirit. It's interesting when we were starting our company, our founding team was three young women. We were all 26 at the time. And, um, we all had parents, our families were all entrepreneurial, Mm. which I think was, was really interesting and kind of gave us that, that courage and that we had all, we had seen, you know, what does this look like? to launch a a business or a company and to run a company. So I don't think it's anything that I ever set out to become or to be, but I think that I've always known that I had the, I had it in me to do it, I guess. And the company is pretty big, right? I mean, how many employees do you guys have? Um, no, we're still small. We're small, but mighty (laughs) small, but growing, (laughs) but you're in whole foods in Santa Barbara and, and yep, we're in whole foods. Um, we have distribution up and down the California coast. Um, we work with some meal kit companies that, that get our products in the hands of Americans all across the U S which is fantastic. Yeah. So we are small, but growing. So you started this when you were 26. Mm -hmm. I don't know how how old you are now, but (laughs) <laughs> you don't have to say. It's okay. I'm guessing you're like under 30. Under 30. That's oh, always a nice benchmark. So young. Um, so what are, what are some of the hardest things that you've had to learn about starting a business, especially in this industry? <sighs> yeah. So one of the hardest things for me um, as an entrepreneur and, you know, starting a business is kind of patience. When you start a company, especially a mission-based company, you want, you want to be achieving your mission on day one and literally everything, this is probably true of life anyway, but everything just takes longer than you think it will. (laughs) I'm Uh, learning that it's painful. (gasps) Yeah, it is painful. But the kind of upside of the lesson that I've learned there is that even though you might not be achieving that, that big mission on your you know, on your day to day, there are lots of other kind of waypoints along your path where you are having an impact in a big way. And it's really important. It's been really important for me to kind of slow down and celebrate the wins when, when they happen and not to dwell on (laughs) when you're not winning. Something else that's been kind of challenging is that, I mean, everyone tells you, first of all, that entrepreneurship is a roller coaster and it absolutely is. You have kind of this shifting, shifting landscape of what normal looks like. Um, and normal for us three months ago is very different than what normal looks like today, which, um, which sounds a little bit crazy, but it's really true. We were actually just saying yesterday in the office, wow, remember when last, you know, two months ago, we thought we had a lot going on and it's just like drinking from a fire hose all the time, but you really do kind of just normalize to it. Um, shockingly. Is there any, any examples of some of the wins that you want to share? Oh, the wins. 
Um, so we just recently had a couple of great wins, you know, it's all always relative and, and we can kind of like break it down by our, the departments within our company, whether it's PR or marketing or sales or operations. Um, we just had, you know, a huge win was this product launch that, you know, I was just sharing with you this kid's product. It's this salmon product that we've developed. It's got hidden veggies and it's just this really sweet, really innovative product that we had been kind of kicking the tires and kind of mulling over and developing over the course of a year. And it was the first time that we really had a product that we had heard consumers really expressing a pain that there wasn't this thing out there in the market already. Um, you know, they were, they wanted their kids to have access to salmon, but they didn't necessarily want to be buying salmon fillets for their kids. And moms were constantly trying to get more veggies in their bodies and more healthy protein. And, um, so we really kind of met, met the moms where they were and did a ton of research, talked to a ton of consumers. And last month we launched this product. Um, and it was such, it was so gratifying. It was such a huge moment for us to be at, um, Natural Food Expo West or Natural Products Expo West, which is like the big 80,000 person. Yeah, I was there. Food. We, oh, no, we could have met and done this in person. It's okay, though. Yeah. It was a busy show. So it, that, that's a huge a show. show. Um, so you were there and people were probably freaking on it. Yes. Yes. And we had people from all over the industry coming up and saying, this is genius. You know, there's nothing out there like this. And it was that was a huge win. <laughs> it was That's, a huge win for us. That is a huge win. And I guess another win is you're giving a TED Talk this week. So this yeah. might air after the TED Talk. So so let me talk to you about this TED Talk. Kind of what's yeah. going to be your key message and and are you nervous? I mean, I would be nervous. <laughs> I'm totally nervous. <laughs> um, At least but you're I'm honest. Excited. Yeah. Yeah, no for sure. If that's another that's another lesson in entrepreneurship. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm so excited though. It's such an honor. Um, I've been watching so many, so many awesome TED Talks. It's actually been detrimental to my own preparation because you just get bogged down watching TED Talks on loop. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. The whole kind of topic of the day revolves around innovation. So I'm kind of um, exploring innovation through my own perspective and just kind of um, talking about how so many times in life we feel like we're supposed to be on this path towards expertise, right? And it's kind of like what you were saying in the beginning about for so many people studying marine biology, the path is kind of research-based, right? Like you, you go up and you get your PhD and you become, you know, an expert in some bivalve or, or whatever. But just kind of you know, for me, my path to innovation has been largely driven by my passion. Um, but it's been, it hasn't been a, a linear path by any means. It's, it's been a path where I've taken so many opportunities that, that have come, come down the pipeline for me. Um, and it's, that's really, it's the culmination of so many diverse experiences that, that led me to launch Salty Girl. Mm, that's, it's going to be a good TED talk. So it's in Connecticut next week. It is. It's in. It's at um, the Pomfret School, which is a little boarding school over there. So I'm heading east. <laughs> What's the date of the uh, TED Talk? Oh my goodness! 
it is the 21st. Okay, so this is April. This is probably going to air after that, so we might get to link to the TED Talk. Awesome. Perfect. Cool. So, so let's talk about failure because I think there's this I don't know. I'm I'm kind of this sounds weird, but I'm sort of big on failure right now because I think we don't talk about it enough. So, can you talk about just any times you failed or it, even if you haven't failed, maybe the reality check, the day in and the day out of being an entrepreneur and what it really yeah. takes. Yes, absolutely. I think this is such a fantastic topic. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought it up. Um, because I think it is something that we don't talk about enough. I think as a culture, we're always striving for, for success and for the big wins and nobody, not, not very many people are forthright about talking about their failures. Um, and I think especially in entrepreneurship, it's such a reality. It's a reality every day. Um, you know, there's, we're always kind of hanging on by a thread. And I think that, you know, failure is a very real and present thing for us. And I think that there is this great fear of failure, but if you can take a step back and kind of look at what you're doing, you know, for me with Salty Girl, I'm so confident that we are putting forth our best effort every day and that we're all working towards this shared mission of this impact that we want to have in the world. And we're doing it the way that we set out to do that. We've always wanted to do it. And so I think at the end of the day, if, if we were to fail, I think, would it be sad? Absolutely. But you know, would we have a ton of lessons and would, everyone in our company have a great experience and, you know, a, a ton of skills to look back on and a really great adventure that we shared 100%. So I think if you can kind of start thinking about failure as it sounds kind of corny, but an opportunity to just reflect and think about what you learned and, um, you know, how you're going to apply that to your next company or your next job or starting a nonprofit or, whatever is ahead of you. Um, yeah, I think I've definitely come to, to recognize that failure is nothing to fear, but it's, it's absolutely a possibility. (laughs) Well, thank you for that honest answer. I appreciate it. And it's, I mean, you guys have already had so much success. It's, it's exciting. I mean, you can get your fish in the store. Yeah. (laughs) Do you travel quite a bit just to work with these fisheries? So we do, we travel, um, we travel always to vet wherever we're fishing or wherever we're sourcing our fish from. So, um, we've taken trips up to Alaska. We do a lot of our work up in the Pacific Northwest. So someone from our team is often heading out to Seattle. Um, we do a lot on the road in terms of sales. So a lot throughout California. Um, and then I'm, you know, I have the, the good fortune to, take advantage of opportunities like, um, you know, flying back East to, to do fun things like this, give a Ted talk. Yeah. That's going to be great. I I guess the vision I have of fisheries or these fishing boats are really from the deadliest catch. Mm -hmm. So I'm completely inept when it comes to the reality of what the fishing industry is. What's the sustainable fishing industry look like? Like how is that different than sort of what I'm seeing on the, this, you know, these TV shows? Right. So the beautiful thing about about um, living in America and sourcing American seafood, U.S. seafood, um, is that our fisheries are some of the best managed fisheries in the world, including the fisheries, the crab fisheries that you see 
on Deadliest Catch in Alaska. When I was 21, I moved to Alaska and started working aboard commercial fishing vessels as a research scientist. And so I know the fisheries up there well. They're incredibly well managed. Um, the, the ownership of the fleet up there is changing. It's becoming a bit more um, commercialized, a bit more industrialized, less kind of family owned and operated. Um, but there are so many great boats up there and the fisheries are so well managed that you can feel really good that Alaska seafood in particular, but U.S. seafood kind of as an umbrella is is sustainably sustainably harvested. Mm, got it. It's good to know. So what yeah. should people know about the fish that they buy at the store? Hmm, that's a good that's a good question. It's something that we're asked a lot, you know, kind of how do I make good decisions about the seafood that I'm buying? And one of the first things that we tell people um, is make sure you know where your fish is coming from. That's kind of the first, the first point that, um, that is kind of a critical one is, you know, if your fishmonger or your chef or whomever doesn't know, you know, challenge them on it, ask them why they don't know, of course, but, um, but try to avoid, um, buying fish from, from, um, places where you, if you don't know where it came from, um, because basically what we're doing when we're buying seafood is we're, we're buying anything really is we're voting with our dollar. So we want to be always, you know, kind of putting our, our dollar in the bucket of, um, a sustainably managed fishery. And there are things that are out there, resources out there to kind of help us make good decisions about the fish that we're buying. So if there isn't a brand like Salty Girl that you find yourself aligning with or, you know, have access to, you can always use Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch program. Um, you know, they make those little pocket guides. They have an app and that can kind of help guide your decision making. One quick question. This is <laughs> completely this is only related to fish, but this is just like farm versus wild. Is that, yeah. is that a big thing still? It is a big thing. Um, I'm a vegan lately, so sorry. I've been out, <laughs> I've been out of the fish it's, shopping. It's still a thing. Um, aquaculture, farm-raised fish. Um, aquaculture is another word for, for farm-raised fish. Um, I, I believe that now accounts for 50%, if not over 50% of the fish consumed by humans around the world. So farm-raised fish are a, are a big topic in seafood. Um, we work largely in wild and kind of the way that I have come to understand or the way that I think about farmed fish is the way that I kind of think about any farmed protein. So there are beautiful, um, you know, ways of raising cattle, or chickens and eggs and, or, you know, any sort of, um, land-based terrestrial protein. There are also really scary ways of producing, mm. um, beef, right? So the parallels are, you know, the parallels absolutely can be drawn in farm, farm fish. So there are great small scale, um, fish farms that are doing good things that are not having, um, a big impact on the ecosystems where they're farming, um, that are not extracting lots of fish to feed the fish they're from the ocean to feed the fish that they're growing. Um, but there's also really big scary operations where fish are being doused with, um, antibiotics and 
So that's, I mean, with farm fish in particular, understanding where your farmed fish came from is just as important as it is with wild, knowing where your fish came from. Mm, that's, that's, that's really good advice. So I'm going to ask you one more fish question. What's sure. your favorite fish to cook? Oh, my favorite fish to cook is one that I caught myself or with my, my family. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of a roundabout way <laughs> of, um, of answering that question, I guess. But to me, it's not so much the, the fish itself. It's that whole kind of process and what are you making that There's makes a- sense. I, I can relate to that. I once caught like a huge snapper in Costa Rica and it was like the best ceviche I've ever made and eaten right. to this day. Yeah. It's because we caught it. It's such a gratifying experience. You feel like such a huntress, you know, it's just, that's the amazing thing about seafood and about fish is it's literally the last wild thing we eat. So when you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and you're heading out, you know, to the Gulf Stream or to go offshore or, you know, you're, you're off fishing in Kodiak or wherever, right? And you come back with a hold full of fish or you come back with maybe just one fish in your cooler, whatever it is. Um, there's just such a gratifying, very like primal um, feeling that comes along with it. So what I love about you is you guys are, I mean, you're females in a really <laughs> masculine kind of field. We are. Is that true? So so did you get like any heat for it or maybe you get the opposite? Maybe you guys just get more PR for it. I don't know. Tell me, tell me a little bit what it's like to be a woman in this field. Oof. I think it's a little, I think it's a little bit of both. I think we do kind of get the eyebrow raise. I think for a long time in the very beginning, um, people thought for sure that we were going to crash and burn like immediately. Um, Hmm. You know, when we first started the company, we basically just started walking the docks in California, just introducing ourselves to folks and saying, you know, we're, we're buyers, we're salty girl, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to buy fish from you. (laughs) Um, These salty, salty sailors, I'm sure that you're working, talking to. (laughs) Totally. Oh my gosh. It was, it was such a trip. It, It was so much fun. Did they laugh? Um, some people did, some people straight up ignored us. Um, but we had, we also had a huge positive response from, from the fishing community throughout California, people saying, Oh, so-and-so you have to meet so-and-so. And, And, you know, we, we, we were able to tap into this wonderful network, um, of people who were generally and genuinely interested in, in helping us. And I think that in some ways being women actually helped, you know, we weren't, going down there all machismo and, you know, thumping our chests and, you know, we're the big buyer and, you know, we're the new buyer in town. We just were, you know, came, came at people as, you know, we're interested, we're learning, this is what we're doing. We're really honest with people. Um, our fishermen taught us how to fill out fish tickets, you know, to taught us how to land fish and, and buy fish. So, um, I think that was a really great experience as, as women in the industry. Um, but we also have, a lot of people who just straight up don't take us seriously. And sometimes that's, um, sometimes that's because we're young. Sometimes that's because we're women. Sometimes that's because it's a small company, you know, but we managed to make it happen. We're pretty, uh, we're a pretty scrappy crew. So <laughs> I bet it sounds like a fun crew to hang out with. And yes. I love that you're also 
you know, you're, you're an ambassador for Tone Co sponsoring this, which is awesome. Thanks to Tone Co for introducing me to you. Yeah. I, I love that you're an ambassador for them because usually these outdoor companies sponsor like surfers or models and <laughs> you're this badass entrepreneur with a mission and a cause and you surf and you sail and you fish. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about just quickly about the relationship with Toad & Co and how they found you. Yes. So um, we love Toad & Co. They are they're kind of um, one of our our like role model companies because they have been in the business for so long and they're a mission-based company. They're a 1% for the planet company, just like we are. Um, so if you're not familiar with 1%, um, it's the foundation or the organization started by um, Patagonia's founder, Yvonne Chouinard, and um, all of these companies get together and they give 1% of their top line revenue to an environmental cause. So Toad & Co. participates in that as well. Um, and they're, I mean, they're literally like, five minutes up the road from us. Um, and so they have this kind of motto of keep good company at, at Toad. And, um, I think that it's just been a really great relationship for us to kind of see, um, see how far they've come with their, with their mission and being a company that does well by doing good. And, um, you know, they're so far ahead of us. So there, we're kind of like looking at them thinking, you know, this could be us in a few, a few years with hard work and, you know, staying true to your mission. I think that they're a great example of that. Mm, and we can see you in some of their catalogs. You can. Yeah. <laughs> you get one. Who are your mentors or are there any, are there any mentors that you've had that have kind of helped shape your career? And if not mentors, is, are there any books that you've kind of read that really helped you along your path? Yes. So I, I find that so many of my mentors have been, um, have been my educators and I really, I really rely heavily still on my college professors from, from my undergraduate degree studying marine biology who are basically have become just like life coaches for me. (laughs) You know, people who know you really well kind of have watched you grow up and they know what your North star is. And, um, you know, my parents are incredible mentors for me we have an amazing um, mentor community here in Santa Barbara, so I'm fortunate to be surrounded by great mentors. But I also, I'm an avid reader. I love to read. I'm so glad you asked. And so much of the reading that I do is focused on kind of um, the natural world. So I read a lot of books about the ocean, which is not surprising. But I really love um, kind of seafaring stories and, and stories of great human will and kind of the power to overcome. Um, so I draw a lot of lessons from, from those types of things. Like, um, have you read the book unbroken by Laura Hillenbrand? No, but it's on our shelf right now. That's oh, you have to read it. Yeah. It's so amazing. So it's the story of Louis Zamperini and, uh, it's just super powerful. And then in the heart of the sea is a great one. Um, and then as an entrepreneur, literally the best book I have read in such a long time. And I encourage every entrepreneur or budding entrepreneur out there to read Shoe Dog, which is the book by um, Phil Knight, who's the founder of Nike. Mm. And it's all about the story of Nike. And um, it sounds so corny. And the last time I was sharing this with a, with a group, um, they started laughing because I think that Nike has gotten such a bad rap. But this book is literally 
it, it is a must read for entrepreneurs. I'm going to have to get that book. That's, that's yes. good advice. What advice yeah. can you give to people who, you know, have a wild idea or want to start a business around their passion? What does it take? You know, what are some of the things that you did that made it happen? Yeah. So I think that the hardest part about starting anything new or especially a, a company, um, it's, they, they call it zero to one, right? Going from nothing <laughs> to something is, it sounds crazy, but like that is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that at some point, a lot of people just sit around and they make lists or they start planning or they start, you know, coming up with a million reasons why not to do something. But really it only takes one good reason to do something. And then you just have to you just have to do it. And then I would say, once you do it, own it. I spent so much time not believing that I was a founder and an entrepreneur, you know, because it, it just didn't feel like I had done it. And I, you just have to take, you know, kind of take hold of that. As soon as you make that leap of faith, you are an entrepreneur. You are running a company. It doesn't matter how small your company is or you know, just be, be the biggest version of what you perceive your, your vision to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think you do have to own it. My, one of my first guests said starting lines are so much more important than finish lines. You just have to kind of go do it. Yep. So I'm curious, you're a really high achiever and and you just said you were pregnant, which is so cool. (laughs) Congratulations. Do you, do you have any routines that you stick to or morning rituals that you do kind of to start your day? Yes. So I am a, I'm that like quintessential early riser who is like kind of crazy about making sure that I have ample time in the morning to read and catch up on emails and work out and then start my day. Um, So I often will get up as early as I can. I'm usually up between 5.15 and 5.30 and and get a workout in. But since I've been pregnant, haven't been able to run. I run on the trails um, right by my house pretty much every morning. But that kind of... uh, that kind of screwed me up because I'm just, I'm just too big now. (laughs) So I've been swimming a mile every morning instead. Um, so it feels really good to be in the water every morning and kind of having that laser focus and the beauty of, of swimming. (laughs) Swimming is, so do you go to a pool? I do. We have a great outdoor pool in Santa Barbara and I can just swim, swim my mile and and feel like I, I did it. <laughs> so nice. If you, if you could go, I don't know what you were like at 15, but if you could go back and tell your 15-year-old self one piece of advice, what would you tell her? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, I, I would say follow your passion and enjoy, enjoy the things you're doing as you're doing them in the moment. Don't worry so much about where you're going to be in a year or five years or 10 years, just focus on, focus on what you're doing now and being great at it and taking advantage of, you know, all the opportunities that, that come your way because you're open to receiving them. I think that that, that would definitely be the message. Don't, don't subscribe to, I think we, we can really 
hamper people's abilities and we really kind of funnel people through this like American perspective of like checking off boxes as we're moving through life. And I think we can do people a really big disservice. And I think that as a person who's, who's goal oriented, I think that I found myself kind of like always striving to hit that next goal and just making sure that, you know, you're, you're loving what you're doing all the time. That's good advice for now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so if we're going to f- sail an eco-friendly boat around the world, <laughs> well, what's the message to the world on that sail? Oh, my gosh. I was going to say plane, but you're a water person. Yeah, let's take a little trip around the world. I would say it's similar to what I would tell my 13-year-old or my 15-year-old self, Um you know, just work on being the best version of yourself in everything you do. Follow your passion and, and you know, eventually that's going to lead you to, to who you're going to be and, and what you're going to, the impact that you're going to have on the world ultimately. Well, it sounds like you are already kicking butt and you're not even 30. It's so <laughs> awesome, Nora. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being on the show. We're excited to hear your TED Talk as well. Of course. Where, where can people find out more? Can you give us the website, Instagram, Facebook? Yes, absolutely. So um, visit our website at Salty Girl Seafood, so singular, <laughs> um, .com. And then you can find us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Salty Girl Seafood, um, all one word. Awesome. Are you guys on Twitter or Facebook? We are. We're, I'm trying to remember our Twitter handle, our marketing, our marketing head. I, I will put, I'll put our, I'll put your Twitter handle on the show notes. Yeah. You know, I have a Twitter and I, I just don't really use Twitter. I feel like if you're in your thirties or almost 30, you're kind of Instagram mostly. Yeah. So it's okay. Thank you so much for coming on, Nora. I really appreciate you sharing your story with us and your wild ideas. I got a lot out of this, so I appreciate Good. it. I actually want to go get some of the seafood, even though I'm vegan. I think it's, I'm ready to break it. Yes. Um, (laughs) So I appreciate it. Thank you again. Good luck on the TED Talk. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Shelby. It was a blast. Awesome. If you want more on Nora Eddy or just want to know where to get this yummy salty girl seafood, go to wildideasworthliving.com, click on the show notes, and there will be links provided on where to find out more. Thank you again for listening. Thanks to all of you for writing reviews on iTunes. If you get a chance and you like this show, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review it. It helps the show's growth immensely. And wherever you are right now, if you're in your car, at work, on a run, don't forget some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.